You see, what, there are many, many things to know. Does everybody hear me clearly? Yes, yeah. yes, we do. Okay. Now, first of all, this is not a lecture. It's a class. Correct. Which means that if somebody has a question, they can ask. Okay, and I will monitor that. You know, as long as it's relevant, that's fine. But if it's going to take me too far off the topic, then I will suggest uh, to put it off another time. Okay? Perfect. So that's uh, part of the ground rules, as they say. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, you have to remember one thing, that uh, uh, the Mashiach is um, it's, it's not so much that we're waiting for him. Although he's the individual that brings, obviously, changes everything. But what we're really talking about is a completely different reality. You see? And that's really what we're talking about. So it's far more than a man entering, you know, and then... It's far more Rabbi, than you're a breaking man... Up, you're breaking up a little bit. Uh, do you hear me? Is it okay? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, okay, it's far more than just a person coming and uh, redeeming mankind. What we're really looking at is a complete different era. It's a different reality that we do not know and we do not understand now. Um, even though it's a reality in Ilm Hazet, which is this world... And we're not talking here now about Oilem Habo. We're not talking about a future world. That's another type of reality, you see, which is infinitely greater than the Messianic era. But even in the Messianic era, what we're talking about, something that we really, at the present time, cannot even comprehend, you see. Uh, and, and, and one of the major ideas in that reality is Can everyone mute more? themselves? Because someone's very bad. Sorry, Rabbi. Whoever's making a lot of noise, can someone mute themselves? Yeah, much better. Okay. Yes. <clears throat> so one of the major features of the Messianic era is the concept Kimolo Deo and the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God or the presence of God as the waters covers the seabed. Now, what does that mean? That means it's not just a person coming. Like I say, it's him introducing a different reality. And that reality is where we will be saturated with the presence of God, you see. In, in other words, God will no longer be concealed uh, you know, or just, uh, well, you, you get a feeling of him, and so on. What, what that will mean is that he will pervade reality. So his presence will be as obvious as the sun is on a beautiful, clear day. So that's really what we're talking about. That's what a messianic era is. Now, therefore, in order to get into that era, it takes time, but also, there are many prerequisites that have to happen. And that's one of the reasons why it takes time. Because there are things that have to be done. Specifically, what's called a tikkun process. Now, I think it's good to begin 
in, at a certain point is just to understand the overall job of the Mashiach. So I, I think, you know, everybody knows that basically there are two Mashiachs. There's what's called the Mashiach ben Yosef, and there is a Mashiach ben David. The question is, what do you need two messiahs for? You see, one should be sufficient. You see, a Mashiach ben David should be enough. Why do we need a Mashiach? Laura, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Okay, looks I'm like I've been, rec- I've been, been recruited. What? what? <laughs> All right. Somewhat. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, so what, what's important to understand is why do we need two messiahs? One should be sufficient. You know, you have one king. You know, you don't need two kings, so to speak. And remember, both of them are responsible for a redemption. And the concept of redemption means to be free of something. That's the concept of redemption. So the question, like I say, is why do we need two redeemers? One should be sufficient. Now, to explain this, you have to understand that the beginning of time by Odom Harishan. The original task of Odom, really, was to bring God back into creation. So what the Rabbi Shalom did with God, what he did is he concealed himself, thereby allowing a task for mankind to perform. That task, of course, would be his re-entry into the world. That's really what he did, you see. But in the beginning, that task took a certain form. Therefore, in the time of Adam, for instance, the Rabbanishim was present, obviously, because the Rabbanishim spoke to Adam, and of course Adam dialogued with God. So therefore, clearly, God was present and conscious to Adam. But there were certain things that Adam Horishan, the first man, did not perceive. And that was called a deficiency in creation, which was purposeful. God purposely did it in order to give Adam Horishan a task. <clears throat> so, the question is, what was the original task of Adam? The original task of Adam was to bring God further into the Bria. In other words, he was already here. He spoke to Adam. Adam spoke to him. So there was a God consciousness, so to speak. So the task of man would be to allow God to intensify his presence in this world. You see, that concept is called hispashtus, or as you would say it, hitpashtut. Kiddusha, the proliferation or intensification of holiness. And that really was his whole job, you see. In order to achieve that job, then Adam had to come to a certain conclusion. What was the conclusion? That there is nothing else but God, you see. And that was the conclusion. That concept is called Yichud Mitziusoi or Mitziotoi which means the oneness of his existence that the only one that really is exists at all is God and that we are really emanations of him we don't exist like him in fact after, even after he created us we are not like him at all <clears throat> you see 
And what Adam should have done is he should have realized that. So his test really was, is to understand what is called the nature of God. And if he would have done that, then it would have been Mida connected Mida, measure for measure. The greater the amount that he believed what God was, that was the greater amount God would appear to him. And basically he had about four or five hours to do this. He's created around 12 o'clock Friday, and he had until what's called the night time to come to this belief, or at least to declare this belief. So therefore, that's what Adam should have done, to bring God back into creation and thereby increase an enormous amount of holiness. That's what he should have done. Instead, what he did is he failed to come to that belief that God is the only thing that really is, and we are all emanations from him. Instead, what he did is he believed something else. What did he believe? He believed that there was another power besides God. In fact, that belief was so wrong that not only was there another independent power than God, but that God himself had to come on to this individual power. And that was really the test of the what's called the Ace Achaim, the Tree of Life. When the snake, who was really the manifestation of the Sultan, appeared to him, then he tried to convince him that the tree that God said not to eat from, which is the tree knowing good and evil, that that tree was an incredible power source, and that that existed independent of God. And not only that, but if God, uh, th- that God himself ate from that tree, and that, is he deri- and that is how he derived his power. So therefore, he told Adam and Fuzchava that if you eat from that tree, what will happen is that you will also derive that power, and you will become like God. And we see that in the Chumash, where the Nochash said to uh, Adam Harishan, V'yisim kelokim, and you will be like God. So what that meant is that don't think that God is the only being really that is. No. There is a tree that is the real power source of God. And if you eat from that tree, you will become just like Him. Uh, Therefore, what Adam believed, and that's the key, is that God is not the only being that really is. He's certainly not the most powerful that there's another being that exists other than God, and that is the tree. Somehow, it is the power source. So therefore, what he believes is that, not only, like I said, that God is not the only being that exists, but that the tree itself is a power source. So in a certain sense, he limited the existence of God by that type of belief, you see. So therefore... What he did, in a certain sense, because of that belief that God is limited, that there's somebody else, therefore, what he introduced was that concept, that belief. In other words, he empowered the Satan to try to get man to think that he is the power source, or that he exists independent of God, you see. So, as a result of that, he empowered that entire thought process and therefore the satan grew in enormous power you see
So therefore, they came a second type of existence, so to speak, where you had the Satan and you had God. So my man believing in an external power source from God, he actually imbued the Satan with tremendous amount of power, you see. So that's a very, very important concept. In other words, what man did is he created the force of evil that was now real. See, before that, it was just a thought, it was an idea. But now, the concept of evil, or the concept of a satanic temptation, became real. That is the idea of what Adam did. Therefore, that necessitated a second job, you see. So the first job is when there is no real presence of evil. So the whole job, basically, is to do what? Is to intensify the presence of God. You know, it's like God concealing himself behind a tree, let's say. And all of a sudden he begins to appear away from the tree. So you begin to get a full view of who he is. So that was the original idea, is where Adam would intensify the presence of God. And that would be called Tikkun. He would have rectified creation. You see, so instead what he did is that by believing that there's an alternative existence to God, therefore, meter connected meter, measure for measure, therefore God said, because you think that there's an alternative source of existence I will conceal myself I will hide the fact that I'm the only one that really exists you see so what Adam did is he made a kilko so before Adam there was a chesern there was a, a, a what's called a deficiency in the fact that God was only partially revealed he was mostly concealed At, after Adam then God was much greater in terms of his concealment and that is meter connected meter. That's measure for measure. Because you think that I am limited, guess what? I will appear to you limited, which obviously means you cannot see who I really am. You see, so what Adam did is he created a reality in which there are things that fool you in the sense that they seem to indicate that God is not the only one. On the contrary, what they do is they reinforce that you are like God. So what is interesting is that man now contends with two very important concepts. The first concept is that man created a reality called evil, you see. And that evil is a Satan who now took on a job of tempting man. <clears throat> The second concept which emerged from that is that man now wars with God because of himself. That's the battle. Who is the supreme being? Is it God or is it me? You see, so the concept of a satan really is to put an illusion in man's mind that he is somebody. So before that, it was an enoi mavadoi that besides God there is nothing else. After the, te the test where man failed, there became what's called the Yeshod Movadoi, that besides God there is something else, namely man. So man now became deluded 
in terms of who he really is. And that is a tremendous mistake. But what's more important, he gave power to a being, the Sultan, to convince man that he, mankind is separate from God and can be as powerful as God, you see. So therefore, mankind now has to deal with a new type of reality. And that reality is the reality of the Satan, or the concept of evil, where he begins to think of himself as supreme, you see. Now, because he empowered man, he, or rather, because man empowered the Satan, therefore what happened is man fell. Man used to be, Adam used to be in what's called a higher spiritual dimension. In Kabbalah, it's called Yitzira, the world of Yitzira. He was much higher, even though there was a Ganeden, but it wasn't the Ganeden that we think. It was called the Ganeden Ha'elyoin. It was spirituality was much greater in that reality. But when man sinned and he believed that he was somebody, or that he could be somebody, then he fell, fell into a world which, which, what I said, concealed the presence of God. That world is called a physical world. Because the essential idea of a physical world is that it conceals a spiritual reality. That's really what it does, you see. So therefore, man became physical, totally. And as a result of that, he now has a body that's physical. And because of that, the physical body does not allow you to experience the spiritual world, or even the spiritual aspect of yourself, which is really the soul, you see. So therefore, man became physical. But the major problem in that idea is that the physical world is controlled by the Satan. You see, he has or he is the major guy in the physical world. And the way he does that, and he controls the physical world, and the way he controls the physical world, okay, is by uh, uh, the concept called Zoyama. Zoyama is a, some type of a force that the Satan can project. And it is that force, really, that he has a, um, a control over the physical world. This concept of Zoyamor. Now, Zoyamor means pollution, or it means tumor, contamination, and so on, you know. But the Satan has this, uh, he projects this force called Zoyamor, and that's what gives him control over the entire physical world. And the problem is we, or other man, became physical. And because he became physical, he obviously can no longer feel the presence of God the way he could have felt when he was spiritual. Because before, before, before man became physical, he was a spiritual being, similar to the Malachim, because they are spiritual entities, you see. So man became more spiritual, was spiritual at that point, you see. But what happened is he dropped into a different kind of dimension called the physical world. And therefore, man is now physical, and the physical is an enormous barrier to the spiritual world or to experiencing God. But what happened was is that man not only became physical, 
the world itself was now inhabited by a contaminated being called the Satan. So there's two problems now. One is that he is now in a physical world doing physical things. And the second thing is that the physical world has what's called Zohama. It has this tremendous aura of the Satan himself. You see. Now, we could see this because the concept of Zohama actually has phenomena in physics. One of the greatest of the phenomena is called the law of entropy. What does that mean? You'll notice that everything dies. Everything. All living things ultimately decompose and they die. Why? Because the critical concept of a Satan is what's called demolition. The Satan is a being that demolates, that destroys, unravels, obliterates, annihilates, and so on. And therefore, uh, and the way he does that, of course, is because of his Zoyama. And therefore, once man became physical, he became subject to the influence of the Zoyama, because he has a physical body. So, it's interesting that man is now a composite. Before that, he was mostly soul, neshama, you see. Even though he had a physical presence, but it wasn't the same type of physical body that we have now. After the sin, he became really physical. And, but the problem is that the physical body is enveloped with zoyama, you see. Because that's the sudden control over the physical world. So as a result of that, man now dies. And death is nothing more than the decomposition of the physical. In fact, all living things decompose, ultimately. Uh, because all things are now subject to the influence of the Satan, you see. So as a result of that, man now, Adam now has a body, right? Uh, he's no longer only serious spiritual. His spirituality is concealed within a physical form. And the second problem is that physical form itself is subject to the rule of the Satan, which is called the Zoyamah. And therefore, he's subject to death. In fact, that's what the Rabbani Shalom said to him. On the day that you eat this, you will die. Why? Not because you will die as a punishment necessarily, but that will be the outcome of what you did. <clears throat> Because you will have introduced the concept of the belief that you can equal me, and therefore I will conceal myself. And you will fall into a world that it's possible to delude yourself that you're somebody, you see. And as a result of that, you know, you now have a second barrier. So the, so the first barrier is to remove the physical. But we now have a new barrier, or job. And that job is to remove the zoyamo to destroy the Satan, you see. That's, therefore we see that mankind now has two jobs. The first job, as I say, well, actually, the new job is to remove the Zoyama, or rather to destroy the Satan. Because as long as the Satan exists, there will always be Zoyama, which is, which is his aura, it's his projection, you see. So, as long as man exists in the physical, there will always be the Satan. That's the first job. So, and the second job is to remove the physical. 
That is called zikuch. So therefore, the first barrier that all the Mauritian would have to accomplish, and subsequently, everybody afterwards, you see, is really uh, to obliterate the Satan, to remove him from the physical world. And therefore, there's no Zoyamor, you see. And then, uh, and the, then the second barrier or task would be to mezakech, which means to purify physicality. And when you do that, then all of a sudden, you, the neshama begins to shine and emanate, you see. comes out that mankind has now two jobs because of the satan. This is what happened. Uh, therefore, it nece- this necessitates, obviously, two different phases. You know what it's like? Imagine a guy moves into a house from a former renter. But the problem is that the former renter left all his old furniture. But what does he want to do? He wants to fix up his house. So obviously there's two jobs, two stages. The first stage is to remove the what? All the old furniture. Because he's obviously not going to dedicate, he's not going to decorate his apartment with all the old furniture hanging around. So therefore what he must do is to remove the old furniture, you see. Once he's done that, then he can begin to decorate the apartment. Same idea. Before Adamarishan sin, then the universe didn't have evil. It had a nohosh, which is true. It had a snake. But that snake can only tempt man from the outside. Why? Because Adam was not in the world of the Satan, you see. And therefore, that snake was external to the mind of man. And that's why he's described as a nohosh, as a snake that can try to tempt man externally by engaging with him in dialogue. But afterwards, man or the Satan became internalized in man because man became physical, you see. So therefore, it necessitates basically two jobs. The first job is to remove the Satan and thereby remove the Zoyama. Nothing can happen until the Zoyama is removed. Once the world has achieved that, and that is a major phase, then the second stage happens, which is Zikuch. Zikuch is where the physical body itself begins to change into a transparent body. We no longer what's called occludes or, or uh, conceals the spiritual neshama in the body. Everybody's walking around with this type of incredibly transparent uh, covering, which used to be a physical body. You see. <clears throat> and that's called zikuch. It's called the transformation of the physical into the spiritual. You see. So the first concept, as I said, is to remove the zoyamor. Until you remove the zoyamor, you cannot touch the body. This is the problem, you see. So you have to remove the zoyamor or the satan from the physical. And then the physical world becomes what's called pure physical, without a satan. But remember, in the end, it's still physical. The second stage is where you begin to remove 
the physical body itself, and it changes. In fact, the entire universe it changes because the entire universe is saturated with the, the zoyama of the satan. You see, so zikuch, which means to purify, to remove the satanic influence, and so on is true of the entire universe, the entire universe that we know of. So it's not just the planet Earth, you see. Uh, so therefore, we realize that we have two stages, you see. Once you understand that, you begin to understand, therefore, that there are two tasks. One is to remove the Zoyama, to destroy the Satan. And the second task is to convert the Zoyama or rather to remove the physical and to make it spiritual. Once you understand that, we can now understand the stages of mankind's history, because it's very important. So, the first stage of mankind's history, obviously, is the first six hours of the world, where Adam Mauritian had the task of bringing God back in an enormous amount of quantity. But he failed. So therefore, after the six staves were over, right, you had the, what's called a physical world. So that world now has 4,000 years. That world will last for 6,000 years because that's how long it can take, maximum, I should say, to destroy the Satan. It could be done earlier, as we see, that it almost was. But basically, that is the outer range of the entire task. Therefore, this world must end in the year 2240, which is the English year, I should say 2240 is the English year, which is the Hebrew year 6,000, you see. So, that is how many years from the end? That is basically 200 and... 20 years. Uh, what was that? Through 20. Yes, that's 220 years is the outside limit that the world must change, you see. And we are now, in, obviously, in Tufshin Pei, you know, 5,780. So, therefore, we have 220 years until the 6,000th year. Now, the Mashiach, we can now begin to understand. Uh, so, what has to happen is that there has to be thousands of years for Jews to do the task to destroy the Satan, you see. And the way he does that is through three types of devices which God created. The first device is called mitzvahs. By the way, does everybody understand what I'm saying? Yes. yes. Yeah. Is, is okay. uh, Zoma also a kilipah? Say that again. Is Zoma what? Also a kilipah. A what Kili top? Kilipot. A klipa. Kili oh, a klipa. Oh, okay. A klipa. Yes, correct. Yes. Yeah. The, the, the zayma is referred to as the klipa. Okay. Because yes. I wasn't sure That's, that word. Klipa. Yeah. Okay. Klipa. Yeah, there's a reason why it's called a klipa, which means a shell. Yeah. But that's really what it is. When you talk about okay. klipa, you're really talking about the satan and all the zayma. That's right. Okay. You know. So we now understand what's going on, that we now have to engage in a task to destroy the Satan. Forget about changing the physical into a spiritual. That's not going to happen now. 
That's a later stage. But our stage is to do what's called the tikkun. The tikkun means to rectify or to restore, which means to restore really the spiritual dimension. So therefore, we see that there are different stages. So mankind basically has been given a maximum of 6,000 years to do this, you see. So uh, the, uh, the tikkun has been going on basically for 4,000, actually it's been going on for six, almost 6,000 years, 5,780 years actually, you see. Uh, but we have been doing it. It has been given to the Jewish nation to do the tikkun, you see. Uh, now what's been happening is that originally speaking, it wasn't the Jews that were supposed to do the tikkun. All mankind was supposed to do the tikkun. God never intended originally that there should be one nation doing the tikkun. Why would he create Goyim if that was the case? But really he wanted all mankind. In fact, that's the understanding why Adam really was not Jewish. Adam was not a Jew. Adam was called a Yisrael. The concept of Yisrael is different than the concept of a Jew. The concept of a Yisrael is an individual that has a connection to the upper worlds to such an extent where his actions can actually influence the upper worlds. And the influence that he has <clears throat> is that he brings God's presence into the upper worlds, you see. And from the upper worlds, we're supposed to bring it down into the physical world. And now you begin to understand what the Messianic era is, you see. So, 4,000 years is to bring God into the upper worlds. And then, in the Messianic era, we bring down God into the physical earth. And that's why it says, that the earth is filled with the knowledge of God. Because that is stage two. But that is being done for 4,000 years, or actually for all 6,000. So, it was really originally the job of all mankind to do this job, you see. <clears throat> and they tried. So for 2,000 years, all mankind could do the tikkun, and they are called Yisrael. Because Yisrael is an individual that is connected to the upper worlds, that by his actions can actually bring down the divine presence. And actually, all mankind was able to do it. <clears throat> However, nobody was doing it. You see, to such an extent, where God said, I have to destroy the world, and that, of course, was the marble. <clears throat> well, it continued after the marble for another ten generations, because the first, uh, the ten generations from Adam to Noach were ten generations, and God waited for ten generations, because he was hoping that they were, in ten generations they would rectify the creation by bringing him back at least into the spiritual world. However, they failed. Not only did they fail, but they reversed it. On the contrary, they did an incredible amount of evil. So therefore, what God said is, I'm going to give him another ten generations. What was that? That was from the marble, which is Noach, all the way to Avram Avinu. That's the last time I will give the, all the people of the earth, human species, the ability to do the tikkun, you see. Now, did they do the tikkun? Well, of course not. Again, they sinned. 
And finally, God said, after 2,000 years, which was approximately 20 generations, that I have to terminate this. I have to end this. And I have to give the ability to do tikkun to the only one really doing my will or trying to discover who I am. And that was Avram Avinu. So therefore, God, what he did was very interesting. He took away the ability of mankind to do the tikkun, you see. And he made a contract with Avram Avinu, and that's called the Brit Ben Habisarim Abitarim, which is Nechomish, you see. And he said, you know, I'm taking away the ability of mankind to do the tikkun, but I'm going to only allow it to you to do that tikkun, you see. Uh, so it comes out after 2,000 years. And by the way, Avram Avinu was 52 years old when the world turned 2,000. What he did, of course, is that he took away the ability of anybody else to do the tikkun. So that's when the concept of a non-Jew happened. Because the ability to do tikkun became a Jewish uh, operation. Only a Jew could do tikkun, which means that he has the neshama that is connected to all the upper worlds. And therefore, when he does an action, okay, which is, it conforms to the will of God, then he can do the tikkun, you see, and therefore bring God back. Everybody else can't, no matter what they do. Because they, what was taken away was a, a great deal of their nishama was taken away. Uh, so in many ways, they are no longer connected to the upper worlds. Every non-Jew is not connected at all to the upper worlds, you see. And therefore, he cannot do the tikkun. So, the only one that can do the tikkun is Avram Avinu. And therefore, begins the saga of almost 4,000 years since Avram Avinu of the tikkun process. And that's what we've been going through for 4,000 years, you see. But something is happening. Because in the end of time, there's what's called the termination phase. You know, it's, it's the end. God wants to end it. Why? Because the Jews will have done the tikkun. Therefore, there's no necessity. And remember what I said, what the tikkun is. Uh, the tikkun is in, ultimately the destruction of the zoyamo, the destruction of the klipus, which is the, the, the destruction of, of, uh, of uh, the sultan. And that is the completion of the tikkun process, you see. And that is the first stage of man. And the one who will bring in the presence of God as a result of the loss of the Satan, or I should say, during the process of eradicating the Satan, this is a figure called Mashiach ben Yosef. His job is to fight the Satan and to eradicate it, you see. Once he does that, then the world will become physical without the Satan. And what that will mean is a messianic era. So we will still be physical, but the one who will rule then will be the Mashiach ben David. You see? So that's what the two different Mashiachan are really all about. In very brief. Mashiach ben Yosef is the individual that transformed the world from a world that has the Satan, the Zoyamo, to a world that doesn't have the Satan, no Zoyamo. And therefore, the world that is now present after that 
is called a physical world without Zoyamo. And the world and the individual that will rule that world, which it will be a completely type of existence, because obviously if the Satan is destroyed, there is no longer death or any kind of decomposition. In fact, there's no more problems. There's no tsarot, nothing. Everything will be unbelievably easy. Food will be abundant. Whatever you want, you'll be able to have. And that's just the physical uh, uh, comforts and so on. The one who will rule that world is Mashiach ben David. So we see, therefore, that the Mashiach ben Yosef became necessary after the sin of Odom. And his takufa, his period of time that he rules, is after the, uh, the tikkun itself that will have been done for the last 4,000 years by the Jewish people. Everybody get that? Any questions? Yeah, I have questions. Can you, do me a favor, when you speak, speak loud. Okay, do you hear me? Yes, very well. Okay, good. Okay, so my question is, is that um, yes. the pasuk that they say, Benisan Nigalu, Benisan Atitin Ikael? Yes. Is that talking about Mashiach ben David or Mashiach ben Yosef? That's a very good question. That's a very good question. What it really is referring to is Mashiach ben Yosef. Okay. Because if you think about it, he is the redemption. Because he's the guy that ultimately changes the world into a physical world that it has no Zoyama. You see? So the redemption itself is the redemption of the Satan. And when I explained Egypt, Mitzrayim, you will understand that much better, you see. So the redemption which starts as a true Geula is Mashiach ben Yosef, you see. And that will happen in Nisan. And that will happen in Nisan. Is yes. that a part of the Pekida? Correct. That is, that is the Pekida. As I will explain... Uh, not now, but because the problem is Mashiach ben Yosef himself is a prisoner, not literally, but figuratively. He has been, in a certain sense, robbed, if I want to use that word, of his abilities in order for the Jewish people to have a kapara. He is one of the individuals that suffer for the sins of the Jews to help them overcome the amount of sins that they've done for thousands of years. And one of the ways that it manifests itself is that he can't be what he can be. So in that sense, he's a prisoner. He has to be released from that prison. And that release will be called the Pekido. You see, that's Does he the come in Pekido. different forms? Mashiach what do you mean by ben, different forms? Yeah? Mashiach ben Yosef, because it takes time to eradicate the Zohima. So throughout these 4,000 years, does he come in different forms? Or well, he, he's a person. He's a real person. You know, he comes in whoever he is. In the beginning, you notice that, you know, in the beginning, he doesn't look like anybody who's capable of the job because Sheikh Ben Yosef is incredibly concealed. Nobody sees him. Nobody knows who he is. You know, it's, mm-hmm. he is so devoid of his powers and his abilities then you, see, you look at the guy, you think he's a regular guy. Mm-hmm. But as time goes on by the Pekido, what's going to happen is he begins to be released. And there, there's a whole mechanism of how that happens. And all of a sudden, people begin to look at this guy differently. Hmm, this guy's interesting. 
And what he does is he begins to grow in stature, you see. So he, the, it's not a matter of changing form. You know, he remains who he is. But he begins to change in terms of his abilities and his stature. stature. Yeah. See? Okay, so what so is his job? How does he... What? What? Does he know what? he's Mashiach and Yosef? Initially, he does not, just like Moshe Rabbeinu did not know that he was Mashiach ben Yosef. And that's who Moshe Rabbeinu really was. He was Mashiach ben Yosef. Forget about I the know. fact that he's a, le- you know, um, a levy, which is another idea. But anyway, Moshe Rabbeinu was really the Mashiach ben Yosef almost. And he was released by the snare. That's when God appeared to him at the burning bush and said, okay, I'm telling you now that who you really are, and he had no idea, and your job is to take out the Jewish people from Egypt, you see. So if God willing we had the picky die already, does he know he's Mashiach right now? Well, if there was the real picky die, he would know he was Mashiach, correct? Correct. So now what is his job once, he, like, once, once the picky die starts? Where, like, what is he? Does he fight Gogamagog? What is Gogamagog? What's the like? What's the process? Well, Gogamagog is a resurgence of evil at the end. You see, because it's the world recognizing that their way of life is over, and it is the last attempt of the uh, Satan, uh, who's in cho- who's uh, directing Gogamagog. Gog is a person, by the way, from the land of Magog. And it's a last attempt to retake or recapture their way of life, which is the pleasure, you know, all the things which go on in this world, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really what it is. And Goig uh, Magoig will arise in war with the Mashiach Ben Yosef, you see. And the one who will destroy Goig Magoig is not Mashiach Ben Yosef, but rather it's Mashiach Ben David. Ben David. Yeah, that's when he makes his entry. Um, okay. I thought that Mashiach Ben Yosef was to uh, fight and he was going to die in the war and then Mashiach Ben David would bring him the spirituality. Yes. That should have been. In the beginning, and it all, it, it was, that was the original plan uh, that Mashiach Ben Yosef would not survive, you see. And uh, therefore... Uh, in other words, he would be killed by Goig. He would not survive. And then, of course, Mashiach Ben David would come and save the day. <clears throat> but what the Bershom did is he changed it. So what he did is he took the Mashiach Ben Yosef and he came back in many Gilgulim, which is incarnations. And in each incarnation, Mashiach Ben Yosef suffers. And that becomes a kapara. Because if God wants, he can, do, he can substitute something else for something else. And that's what he did. Because of the length of the exile, you see, and the prayers of Klai Yisrael, the Rav in a certain sense, changed his mind. Not that he changed his mind, but he decided on a different type of uh, a plan, you see. And the way we know that, besides that, the Vilna Gaon says this, and the Ramchal says this, but in the, in the uh, Chumash, when you have Yosef HaTzadik in Egypt, so uh, Yaakov Avinu said, well, Yosef is dead, right? And all of a sudden, uh, Osna, uh, not, uh, not Osna, uh, Sarah, Yosef Chai. 
Yosef Chai, correct, yeah. Which meant that, oh, I thought he was dead, but he still lives, you see? So that is a prophetic announcement that the Mashiach ben Yosef will not die. In fact, in the Zohar it says, one place it says that he will die, but like I said, that was the original plan. And in the second place in the Zohar it says that he will not die, but like I said, he will be subjected to alternative ways of suffering. And therefore he will survive, which is a tremendous uh, good thing for Klai Yisrael. Because had he, had he died, it would have meant that Klai Yisrael would have suffered terribly. So therefore that judgment has been averted. Thanks. So I have a question. So when you were said in one of your videos how the Shekhinah um, will come down with the Beit HaMikdash from the Shemaim in, a, in a, yes. like a cloud of fire. On a fire. Yes. yes. When, like, the, that happens before he fights the Gog and Magog, like, because you said once that happens, all the Bnei will pick up and run to Israel without a doubt. Yeah, that's a good question. It will happen before Gog and Magog. Why? Because Gog and Magog, Gog from the land of Magog, I should say, that's exactly what gets him enraged. In other words, all of a sudden the Beit HaMikdash comes down, and he realizes that the Jews are the supreme nation. So that's when he attempts to overcome the Mashiach ben Yosef. So if anything, that's what enrages him. You see? So that basically has to come before, which is really a great idea, a great simon, you know, uh, because we are very close to that. Right. Let me ask you a question. How is he going to get out, Gog? Isn't he locked in a mountain somewhere? Say that again? What? I learned that Gog was locked in a mountain. It got concealed until the final war. You ever heard Why, of that? I never heard of that. that that's, I never heard anything like that. No, I Gog is a person. Okay, that could be a medrash. But what it means is that nobody knows who he is. Mm. Doesn't mean that he's locked anywhere. It's a real person? It's, like a, it's one nation that we're all going to fight? Uh, yes. Well, ostensibly, it is a real person. Yes. There's a and person where, where called is he Goig. From? Is he from Mama Lake? Who? Goig? This bowl. Yeah. Who is he? Which nation is he from? Well, he is probably from Amalek because Amalek is the last nation to go and it is the greatest, uh, you know, uh, opponent of the Jewish people. So Goig will be an Amaleki. Uh, uh, now, remember, but Amalek doesn't mean he comes from the nation Amalek because there is no such nation anymore they were all assimilated in all the nations of the world for thousands of years. But he certainly will have that type of uh, belief system, you see. In fact, one of the people that could have definitely um, uh, take, uh, uh, filled in for Agoig is Hitler. Right. Yeah. And for Are all practical purposes, ma- maybe that's who he was. What was that? You think Hitler was Gog? It could be, sure. It could be. Hitler, who's Amole- who, who was, was an Amoleki, by the way, not physically, but the whole belief system of Germany is yeah. uh, uh, Amolek, the guy with the arrogance of Germans and so on. Yeah, he could have fulfilled the prophecy of Amolek, uh, of Goig. You know, Goig would be Hitler from the land of Mogig, which is Germany. And that's yeah, exactly what they, they did. Say during Gog and Magog, during the war, there's going to be piles of dead um, Jews. On the floor. On yes. the floor. 
In so fact, it says it says in the Semesechta Sanhedrin that the war from Goyeg, uh it will be so devastating that only one or two families of a city will survive. That's how bad it is. Didn't so if it you think about it, this guy Gog Hashem promised him that because he his descendant covered. Uh, Noah, when he was dancing naked, that they would have a proper burial in Eretz Yisrael? Yeah, okay. But like I said, what's an interesting... Well, I just want to finish this thought. That Goig, if it was Hitler, that's exactly what he did. There was only one or two families that survived in any given city. So then where would that put us today, if he was Gog? Well, it would put us closer because we wouldn't have to have the necessity of Goig from the land of Magog coming, because that was fulfilled. Although my feeling, which I once said on a Shia, is that the one who now fulfills that role of Goig from the land of Magog is the UN. Because, right, yeah. remember, Goig is a person that represents 70 nations. Because that's really who wars against the Jewish people. In fact, the gematria of Goig or Magog is 70. Right. And that, could e- that can easily be filled by the, uh, the United Nations which really are the 70 nations, which are completely opposed, we know that, the double standard and so on, to the whole Eretz Israel. Mm-hmm. You see? Um, so that, that can but easily be fulfilled. Is it true that uh, um, Gog and Magog has to be ruling for, for nine months prior f- uh, to Mashiach coming? Is that... Well, the Gog-Gog. interesting thing is that, uh, well, it, it's not Gog and Magog, it's the Arabs. Yeah, Shmuel. yeah which is interesting, which is interesting, because with the question Obama. is, what is it, what was that? With Obama, Obama yeah. The whole yeah. world was ruled by Muslim, because he ruled the United States, everywhere else is Muslim. Yeah, that's right. Or it could be, like I say, when you say rule, it could be also partially ruled, which is really the Arab, the Knesset members of the Arab parties. See, the thing is that, as, as time goes on, God can alter plans, which is what he does. Okay. So, in other words, the, when, all the Midrashim that talk about this means that this really has to be according to the plan. But God can substitute things and have A fill in for B. What was that? Yes, it's based on what we do as the Jewish people. Correct. In other words, if the Jews do tshuva, or it could even be one guy does such an incredible mitzvah that in his merit, God could alter the plan. You see? Yeah. But there are before, many alterations. What was that? You were saying before, how to kill the Satan. You said mitzvah, and then you got cut off in the middle. There were two. Three. Yeah, you were saying two. Yeah, there uh, yeah, three things that he could do to, to, to remove kill the, the Satan. Satan. Well, the real... Yeah, okay. But the, the real concept is how to do the tikkun. The tikkun automatically... Uh, gets rid of the Satan, you see. Mm-hmm. So really, the real question is how did the Tikkun, but I, I, I don't want to do it now because it would take longer because I, I like to go, you know, go into those ideas more thoroughly and so on, you know. Got it. But, what uh, are the three main concepts? What would it be mitzvot? Well, I'll just, I'll just list them. You have to understand why and how. One is mitzvot, doing a mitzvah. The second thing is tshuva, doing repentance. And the third thing is Yisurin suffering. All three does the Tikkun. They're all called Tikkun devices because they can all c- accomplish the Tikkun. But each one has a certain...
preference, and they all, each one works in a certain way uh, to, to do the tikkun. So, so right that's, now, uh, have to be all, I feel all three right at the same corona, time. No, no, not at all. What was that? Right now, with this coronavirus, everybody's doing mitzvot to Shavan Yisrun. Well, yes, to a certain extent, but remember, not everyone. 11, not everyone. Eleven million Jews are gone. Eleven million Jews out of fourteen are gone. It's the same. It's, it's like the four fifths of the Jewish people didn't leave Mitzrayim. The same amount. Exactly. Of and if you think about it, what is the percentage of eleven million to fourteen? It's the same. It's about eighty percent. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. What do you mean? Eighty percent of the Jews were were are gone from what? No, they did. Eighty percent did not leave Mitzrayim in Mitzrayim. Yeah, and eighty percent of the Jews are assimilated or intermarried. Right. Right. So in that sense, they're also gone, although they're physically still here. But they no longer, in many ways, have, uh, not that they don't have a portion, which they will, but they no longer share in the tikkun process. Just Ripen, like the Jews you, in Egypt. How do, you, how do you judge those people, say, that don't have the knowledge or the experience or the exposure that we have as Jews in our great community, people that don't have, you know, the education that we have. How do you judge those type of Jews that assimilated but didn't have any knowledge of that in terms of that? Why don't they have the chance to have the tikkun? Because everything depends on reincarnations of neshamas. We don't know who we really are. We don't know who any neshama is. But we're not here for the first time. Most of, uh, everybody's been recycled who knows how many times. So based on the previous performances in all the different Gilgulam, God decided, you know, who he would let go in that sense or who he would try to bring back, you see. Now, we don't have that, Cheshman, because we, we have no idea who and what we were and what we did for 4,000 years. In the end of time, we will, we will all know this. Yeah. I have a question. How long, what's like the, I mean, I don't know if you know, but between the Pekida and the Zechira, like yes. how long is usually that process? Is the Zechira going to come by the end of uh, 5780? Or like, do you, you follow where I'm coming from? Yes. Like what's, <clears throat> what's to yeah. expect? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, like I say, the Pekida is first, obviously, because yeah. Ben Yosef has to be released from his, uh, his paralysis, that's really what he is. In many ways, he's paralyzed doing what he can do. Uh, and, uh, and his tekufa will take a certain amount of time. Um, but very quickly after that, you will have what's called the zechira. The zechira is when the Mashiach ben David and the Shekhinah is released. See, the, the key concept is, it's one thing to release people. So there's Ben Yosef and then there's Ben David. But what about the divine presence? When does that leave? And right now we know that the divine presence is where? The divine presence is in Golas. Shrinta Bigaluta. That's what it's mm-hmm. called. You see? Uh, so when does that get released? And in the end, that's really the main thing. That's the goal. That's the goal. So the Zahira is the release of the divine presence. But when it's released, it's released incrementally which means all of a sudden people will begin to change. Something will happen to mankind, you see. Their consciousness will become different. 
all of a sudden there will be a religious ruach that will sweep the planet. You see, <clears throat> but that's is later. Is that what we're in now? I feel that what? that's what's ha- Is that what we're in now? I feel that's what's happening to me now. Well, you know, look, for most people, although probably people are wondering, but, you know, how many people really think that there's a messianic time approaching because of the coronavirus, you know? It's not happening yet, you know? <clears throat> there, are, there are things that have to happen before uh, the divine presence returns. Remember, that what cannot kind of happen things? until the Satan is alive. Right. Evil what has kind of to things have to happen? Evil has to be destroyed. Well, yeah, that's my feeling. Tovshin Pei is that. um, What's going to happen? Well, I'm looking at the fall of the era of Rav, which is Israel. Right. 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 Yeah, it's it's incredible what's happening there. Has never happened before. Imagine three elections and there's no government, which is historical. And the first time in history that a sitting prime minister has been indicted. And, and Netanyahu is fighting for his life to survive. Obviously, there's something going on here, you see. And we know that the Erev Rav, which uh, I'll talk about, is, uh, is, is, is the last real great obstacle of the arrival of Mashiach ben Yosef. So what you're watching mm. is really the throes of mankind as it gets ready to begin a redemption. But these things are in progress, you see. Look, one of the ideas which I've talked about so many times uh, is the concept of Trump. Trump is a messianic yeah. figure, you see. In yeah. fact, the whole, his whole election was a miracle, mm-hmm. you know. And his ability to survive, by the way, is a miracle. Because everybody's after him, especially the Satan. You see, mm-hmm. and I've mentioned that, you know, and so on. So in America, which is the good part of Edom or Esau, he's trying to survive. And then in Israel, the Erev Rav is struggling to survive. So we are watching literally a birth pang. That's what we're watching. So clearly something has begun. Because these are historical. These things never happened before. In fact, the pandemic has never happened before in our time. The last real pandemic was 1918 with the Spanish flu, you know. But we've never experienced a pandemic. Pandemic. I mean, it's like it's hard, it's hard to believe what's really going on out there. So clearly there's something happening. You see, there's a beginning of a transformation, a revolution, a, a real change. If you want to use a physical example, it's like it's the beginning of the birth. When a woman gives birth... Right? There's a beginning. All of a sudden, the contractions begin to speed up. We are watching the contractions. You see? Mm-hmm. So if I had to put a time period, you know, in the sense of where we're at, we are in the, in the process of the birthing of the redemption. And where we're we at, are like watching. five centimeters or we're at like seven? Uh, that's a good question, you know. You know but there's no, no question. Three, three centimeters. There, but there's right. no question that we are watching what's called the contractions. Right. Yeah, yeah that's really and what does it is. is. Does she have to give birth by the end of the year, by Rosh Hashanah, or 5780 is just a, be- it's just a date of the beginning of things? 
Do you know I, what I, I mean? I didn't, Does no, everything what, have what, to happen by the end of this year? By the end of five seven five seven eighty? Or Um five, look, there's no there's no guarantee, but there's no question that we are watching the beginning of a real transformation, of a real process, yeah. I hope it does. I'm really hopeful that in Tough Shin Pei that, you know, something substantial will happen. And that is right. uh, hopefully so, the the overthrow of the Israeli government into a different type of government. That will, begin to, uh, that will begin to really uh, foster a tremendous re- religious revival. Huh. And does Shavuot have any meaning to anything? What was that? Does Shavuot have any meaning to the process of things? Yes, and that I will explain, but not, not <laughs> now. Yeah, sure, exactly. Sure. Can you so, give Rabbi, a Shavuot? I can't hear. What was that? Can you give us a little short version of what you think uh, Shavuot's going to do with this? No. It's too, it's, I cannot give a short version. Takes too long. So, ra- Rabbi, if they say, Benisan, Nigalu, Benisan, Atidim, Nehigael, is that a guarantee that it could only come in Nisan, or is there any opportunity that it could come another time? Well, say. Parts of the process clearly will be going on, but obviously something substantial has to happen. So it could be that the Pekido, the real Pekido, because right now this is what's called the process of Pekido, will happen in Nissan of next year. Look, the world is going to change. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Pekido, like I said, is when the Mashiach ben Yosef is released. He's released from his paralysis. That's the Pekido, you see. So, so we, we're hopeful that it, that happened this year. Yes, we are. We are certainly hopeful. Yeah, yeah. That he that he that he got released and that he's able to begin his job. Is yes, that, is but, rem- but remember, even when Moshe Rabbeinu was released, right, it got worse. Yeah. Right, that was right? It got problem. much worse. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so, obviously, we're looking here that a process goes, like I once said, you know, it's two steps forward and one step back. That's the way it works. Okay, I hope everybody enjoyed this. Thank you so that much. That was wonderful, Rabbi. Rabbi. Thank, Thank you for your so time. Much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. What was that? I enjoy your classes so much. You have no idea. I look can you say, wait, can you say, I don't know who I'm talking to, can you say your first name and then speak? Rachel, Rachel Mamie. Oh, Rachel, yeah, okay, yeah. I enjoy your classes so much. I look forward to when you put a new one on YouTube. Really, I, I miss your classes. Ah, you mean, yeah, yeah, you mean they ended in, in uh, 2006. Yeah, right, but I, I've been watching you on YouTube for, for the past how many years? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I I'm up to date with all your classes. Everybody wow, that's great. That's great. Yes, you're perfect. We all watch your classes. Okay, yeah, that's yes. great. Wow, very nice. So, bottom nice. line, one time you said that the year 2028, you didn't think that there would be enough resources for the world to survive that Mashiach has to come before. Now it's switching to 2240? 2240 is the end of the Messianic era. 
But doesn't he have to come before Shabbat starts? Uh, well, he will. 20 to 40 is Friday night at 6 p.m., right? So he's got to come. Look, I, I, well, I, I spoke about the creation clock, right? Correct. He's got to, it's already, it's already after what's called Sheish Vachetzi. It's already after six and a half hours after sunrise, you see? So therefore, oh, in the time, what's called the creation calendar, it's already overdue, you see? Because really, he should have been coming in 1990. That was Chatzot. Yeah. You see, so he really should have began. What was that? Is this Seta Kochavim when it's time to light the candles? Um, no, 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 no. It's not. It's uh, we are now five thousand seven hundred and eighty, which is the equivalent of twelve forty a.m. a p.m. Yeah, twelve forty p.m. So really, we would have expected something significant. At 12:30, which, by the way, was I think 2008, which and there was, and that was Obama. So you, we are looking at the end because that's the the calendar even says that this is the end. You see.